0: Welcome back to Normalize PTSD. Today, we have Rick Johnson. Rick Johnson is the CEO of Voi. Uh, it's a really interesting company, and they're working in part with AI to help curve the suicide rates in our community. I hope you find this informative. Welcome, Rick. Uh, you are CEO of Voy Inc., and I was just curious. You've had quite the journey to get here. So if you take just a second and tell us a little bit about where you come from, how you got to where you are.
1: Sure. So uh, I'm Rick Johnson. I was born in Vermont. Uh, I attended the uh, US Naval Academy uh, and then flew for the Marine Corps. In 93, I joined the Marine Corps Reserve. So I was an A6 intruder pilot and then became a C 130 pilot. And when I joined the reserves, I went to uh, the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy in Boston and then went to law school up here uh, at Vermont Law School and became an assistant attorney general for the state of Vermont. Uh, In 2003, I was mobilized with my C-130 squadron uh, and went to Iraq, um, stayed on active duty after that, went to the Naval War College in Rhode Island for a year, then went down to Norfolk, Virginia, uh, redeployed to Iraq again, um, and then became commanding officer of the C-130 squadron, stayed on active duty for that, uh, then uh, became... The Vice Chief of Staff for the Marine Corps Reserve then served as the Chief of Staff for the reserve and also as a deputy group commander for uh, a number of different uh, military Marine Corps units. And then we moved back from Virginia up here to Hanover, New Hampshire, where I live now. Uh, I served as the Associate Director at the Dartmouth Institute, which is a big health policy think tank then became um, went, uh, went back on active duty went to afghanistan as an inspector general for the secretary of defense came off of active duty retired in 2015 helped set up the innovation laboratory at dartmouth hitchcock and then uh, started working for my current company uh, called Voy, voi voi uh, i've been there since 2017 i'm now the ceo of the company We're located in Springfield, Vermont, um, and we're focused on reducing and ending suicide in the United States and around the world.
0: Wow, that's an impressive resume, sir. So what led to wanting to get involved with preventing and identifying suicides and helping in that aspect?
1: Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, as a commanding officer, and then a gr- uh, deputy group commander, and then both as the vice chief and the chief of staff, I had, uh, you know, a number of uh, Marines and sailors who either attempted or completed suicides. When I served as the chief and the vice chief, one of my duties was to investigate uh, after an attempted suicide or, or a, a completed suicide to understand kind of the root cause analysis of what happens. And, you know, during that analysis, I had to, you know, interview, you know, friends, family, unit members, loved ones to find out what happened and just saw the devastation these events had on everyone and vowed that when I retired in 2015, if I could find a company that was working on solving this problem, I would jump at the chance. I connected with a national expert on suicide prevention up here at Dartmouth College. He's a professor here. And he and I started working on it, and then in 2017 we became the uh, VOI. V-O-I.
0: Uh, we will speak to your mission statement. VOI's mission is to deliver the most comprehensive, innovative solutions to help hospitals, health system, government agencies, educational institutions, families, and communities detect, intervene, support, and care for people at risk for suicide. So, uh, touching on that, what what is the two part To that, the innovations solutions for VOI.
1: Yeah. So, uh, as you're probably aware, suicide numbers have uh, been at uh, record levels. COVID nineteen has made it a crisis. We're talking about 132 to 140 Americans every day will commit suicide, and a large number of those are veterans, military personnel, prisoners. So, um, and one of the reasons the numbers have not changed is. There's not a quick, scalable, and accurate way to identify people at risk, and there's not really an ongoing way to provide support and monitoring to keep them safe once you've identified them at risk. So what we've done is we've taken the old models from the 20th century and uh, recreated them using 21st century technology. So we have broken the problem into how do you accurately identify people at risk of imminent suicide? And when I say imminent... I mean, in the next 72 hours, there's a lot of tools out there that can tell you what your lifetime risk is, which is important, but it's not going to tell you over the next 72 hours, whether you are, you know, uh, potentially going to attempt or complete a suicide. So uh, our detection is called void detect. And then once you've identified people at risk, uh, and I'll I'll note that our tools are, are a lot more flexible than just suicide, they can be used for any type of behavioral health problem, whether it's substance abuse, depression, anxiety, PTSD. Um, But uh, right now, we're focused on suicide prevention. So once you've identified these people, how do you actually keep them safe? And we've created a tool called voice reach. And it provides a live behavioral health coach who will work with that patient and the patient's natural support network. So the the coach will say, you know who in your life is going to keep you safe and help you get healthy. And the individual will identify, you know, three to five people, whether it's the spouse, children, friends, unit members, whoever they think is a positive influence in their life. And then the coach can work with the patient and the the natural support network and provide continuous monitoring using our AI, uh, artificial intelligence engine, which is constantly scanning for any changes in risk. And the coach can provide educational materials, can provide uh, remote assessments to make sure everyone's staying healthy and also provide guidance. So most loved ones wanna help someone suffering from a behavioral health issue, but they don't know what to say or what to do. So they typically don't say anything or don't do anything which just exacerbates the situation. So the coach can say, hey, here's three things you can say to your loved one who has PTSD. Here's three things you can't say or you shouldn't say. Uh, Here's three things you can say to someone who's suicidal Here's three things you shouldn't say. So it, it provides, uh, as we named it, reach. It gives you uh, extensive reach to keep someone uh, safe.
0: Okay. And uh, to just jump in to avoid detect a little bit, uh, that assessment's really quick to to do, correct? It takes just a few minutes.
1: Yeah, the beauty of our assessment is uh, it takes less than two minutes to do. It typically even takes less than that because our artificial intelligence uh Uh, The algorithm, uh, once it gets to the proper level of confidence will end the assessment so most most assessments take about a minute to do. The other beauty is the person who's conducting the assessment does not have to have any specialized training so it doesn't have to be a doctor or a nurse it can be like in the military uh, Uh, you know, an officer or an enlisted personnel who has no medical background. Mm. Um, So it frees up your very scarce resources to focus on those people that no kidding need help. Um, And the other beauty is the algorithm replicates the expert judgment of a psychiatrist. So our assessment is equivalent to someone doing a face to face interview with a psychiatrist, which is the gold standard right now for identifying imminent risk. And then uh, if we're connected to a database and we get de-identified outcomes data, that can be fed back into the algorithm. So the algorithm actually learns. And over time, will our prediction scores will be actually much higher than a psychiatrist. So we've just finished our first integration with the uh, health record out at uh, four hospitals in Nebraska and Iowa. So we now are getting de-identified data fed back in to the algorithm.
0: And not only is it accurate, but uh, your Void Reach can uh, initiate an active rescue pretty quickly too if it identifies a problem.
1: Yeah. So the beauty of Void Reach is uh, there are other competitors out there. They're all designed to be reactive. So they actually, you know, the, it's not a live person. It's typically a bot mediated type of conversation, which is not very engaging. Uh, and there's a lot of data that shows after. know, 30 days or so people disengage because they're they're not talking to a live person. So we actually use a live person. And the person the coach can actually manage about 250 individuals. And the reason they can manage that large of a panel is because the AI engine is constantly smart sorting the patient list to let the coach know who's the next person that needs immediate uh, intervention. So um, the other the other discriminator between us and our competitors is they're reactive. So they actually have to wait for someone to ask for help. So right. uh, our tool is designed to be proactive. So the coach can actually, with the AI augmentation, can actually identify a person who may not even be aware that they're going into crisis and can reach out uh, and contact both the patient and the support network to find out what's going on can direct them to the hospital if necessary. And then in a worst case scenario, if no one's responding, they can use the GPS data from the patient's cell phone for the coach to contact a local emergency services so they can get out to the the location before an event happens. There's data that shows there's about a 10 minute window between suicidal ideation and your first act in a suicide. And our tool is the only one that we've seen out there that is actually designed to break into that 10-minute window.
0: That's outstanding. Uh, talking about being proactive, if you are if you have a veteran or someone that's high risk, what are some red flags that you can visually see that may be uh, an indicator that there's a problem there?
1: Yeah, so there's a, a number of different things. So, so w- there's warning signs and then there's factors. So on the factor side, An individual who has been diagnosed or is suffering from, you know, depression, medical disorders or substance use disorders. They're suffering from chronic pain. They've had a history of suicide attempts. There's a family history of mental uh, disorder or suicide. Uh, There's been exposure to family violence, presence of guns or firearms in the home, being released from prison or jail. Stressful life events, such as a death in the family, legal troubles, et cetera. Uh, and then interpersonal stressors, such as harassment, bullying, discrimination, or relationship problems. So those are all factors, but then the warning signs that someone may actually see indicating that uh, you know, an individual is, uh, is considering suicide are uh, the person talking about wanting to die or kill themselves, talking about feeling trapped or alone, uh, having a, uh, feeling unbearable pain or suffering, talking about being a burden to others, giving away, you know, possessions. I'm sure we've all heard stories of yeah. people giving away, you know, value valued items, saying goodbye to friends, uh, getting your affairs in order. Um, making a plan or looking for ways to kill themselves either by, you know, internet searches or stockpiling of pills or buying a gun. And then there's a whole bunch of other items too, which I could go into, but those are typically some of the big red flags.
0: Right. And I believe some of those are on your website and I'm going to have that website on the show notes so everybody can go there to get more information if need be. Uh, So if you do identify someone as high risk, what are some things that you can do to help that situation?
1: So one of the big fallacies is uh, the belief that if I ask someone who I think may be suicidal, I may actually push them to either consider it or actually attempt a suicide. That is is false. Uh, the best thing you can do is be direct. Let the person know that you you know you're there to support them. You, you know if it's a you know a family member, you know that you're you know you're part of the family that you love them. So you want to ask directly: Are you thinking of killing yourself? It's not easy to ask that question, but there's plenty of studies that show that at-risk individuals, um, if they're asked that question, it does not increase their risk of an actual attempt or suicide in the future. The other thing you want to do is to keep them safe. So, you know, if you have indications or thinking that this person may be uh, going to have self-harm, you know, take away any potential lethal items that are, you know, available to them, like locking up a a gun, or putting it away somewhere, pills, etc. Uh, let the person know that you're there to listen and to support them. Um, acknowledging that you uh, un- yeah, acknowledging that you understand that they're in pain, and then you're willing to talk to them uh, may help reduce uh, the feelings of isolation and suicidal thoughts. Uh, help them connect. So you know, recommends, provide them the resources on how to contact the suicide hotlines or how to get in touch with a doctor. Um, And then stay connected, just don't feel like after that one talk, you've solved the problem, it's going to be an ongoing problem. So you need to as a person helping someone you need to actually stay connected, check in with them. Um, And then um, one of the fallacy, the other fallacy is, or not a fallacy, but a, a difficult issue is the person may ask for your uh, silence on this matter, they may divulge something to you and say, but don't, I don't want you to do anything or tell anyone. Um, that's, a that's a tough problem to, to, to deal with. But the you got to ask yourself, you know, if I kept this to myself, and something horrible happened, Did I make the right decision? So, uh, you know, I I would err on the err on the side of yeah. You may break this person's confidence, but you're going to save their life by contacting, you know, emergency services or uh, you know a a doctor or whoever to help uh, prevent this person from attempting or completing a suicide.
0: Right, and that leads me into uh, what not to do in those situations. Uh, what are some things that you would like to avoid for sure if you do find yourself with an individual that's at high risk?
1: Yeah. So first of all, you know, there's a whole bunch of, um, you know, websites out there that talk about some of the don'ts. So, so, you know, some of the things is don't say, I know how you feel. You don't, you know, you don't know how you feel that person feels, not in their shoes. So um, don't, don't indicate that, you know, how they feel. Don't, you know, the, the the macho attempt to get over it life's not that bad uh, again you're not in the, that person's shoes you don't know what they're actually feeling or suffering from so don't dismiss it or, or tell him that it's her him or her that it's easy to get over um don't point out other you know bad events that have happened and you could you know say something like oh it could be worse uh, again that's not going to help uh, The big ones are don't ignore the warning signs if you if your hairs on the back of your neck are going up or you see uh, some of those warning signs we just discussed don't ignore them. Um, And again, as I mentioned, don't keep it a secret, even if you've promised this person that you are going to keep it a secret. um, uh, It's better for you to seek for help and then uh, seek, uh, you know, um, for uh,
0: uh, forgiveness.
1: yeah, forgiveness
0: at a later point. Right. Uh, So suicide is a a sensitive topic. Uh, My community, I think we've lost more to suicide than we have to the two wars that we fought. So that just goes to show the importance of it. Can you speak a bit to the numbers and the percentage of veterans that are dying every year?
1: Yeah. So the numbers, uh, they've been hard to calculate, you know, there, there's numbers out there that, uh, I think they came out in 2017 in, in at least in the veteran population of 21 to 22 veterans a day, uh, com- uh complete a suicide. Um, the numbers, uh, th- they've gone back and revised some of them. So I'm not sure exactly if, where the number stands now. I know in, um, 2020, 2021, I think during the COVID, uh, you know, the really crisis part of COVID, the numbers did decrease, but I think they're either back up to where they've been for the last 10 years or actually have slightly increased. Uh, But we're, you know, uh, the, the comparison between a veteran population and the active duty population and a civilian population, the, the numbers are much more elevated in the military and in the veteran populations.
0: Right. Uh I was glad you said that because I've talked to 2 now uh, about statistical data on where we are with suicide rate and it seems like it's really hard to get a pin on it because one they're categorizing it slightly different as well as
1: <clears throat>
0: the numbers for the last 2 years aren't out yet.
1: Yeah, it, it takes a while for them to do the analysis. I uh, most people, you know, there's a number of groups out there uh that are named after the number of attempts that, or suicides that were based off of, I think it was a 2018 VA Veterans Administration or Veterans Affairs publication where the number 22 came up. So. Uh,
0: If you'd just like to talk to what Voice has been able to do and the impact that you've had so far, as well as things that you're moving toward currently.
1: Yeah, yeah, so Voy, we're very excited. Um, We're right now in the middle of a fundraise. Uh, We are starting to get a lot of traction and we're getting to the point where I need to hire a number of people. And so we are right in the middle of an active fundraise. Um, The traction we've received, as I um, uh, mentioned earlier, we have contracts uh, with the US Air Force and uh, the Vermont National Guard. That contract just ended. Uh, Those contracts led to a new contract with the Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island National Guard. That contract should start this month in uh, July of 2022. We have an active contract at the Virginia Department of Corrections. They're using it right now. Void Detect is being used in their intake facility. Uh, And because of the success of being able to identify people at risk, uh, they are uh, preparing to do an expansion of that uh, use to uh, three additional facilities, and then uh, after that initial expansion, uh, a statewide expansion. Uh, we have just signed, uh, we we have a contract to provide remote mental health care to all the hospitals in Montana. Uh, Montana has the highest rate of suicide in the country. Uh, we had done our first big pilot at Billings Clinic, and it was so successful that it led to a statewide, or not a statewide, but an expansion to 12 hospitals the following year, which then has led to this contract for all the hospitals in Montana. Uh, We've just signed some letters of intent with different groups, one group that's focused on veteran suicides in Michigan, Minnesota, and Alaska, another group working with uh, a large labor union uh, to prevent suicides among their union members, we just signed a LOI with a group that's working with Native American and First Nation tribes up in uh, Canada and in the U.S. Uh, there, you know, the issue that they face is a lot of the reservations are remote; they don't have a lot of resources. So, uh, and uh, and they also have high suicide rates and other behavioral health issues. So, providing uh remote mental health care to these organizations uh, will be very uh, important. Um, we're in talks with several other groups to provide our tools to universities and colleges and high schools. Uh, hopefully we'll get that LOI signed in the next week or two. Um, just got off a call with the Department of Defense right before this call uh, and uh, are talking about some potential opportunities to expand the use in the military. And then um, once I do our fundraise, uh, I've already identified a whole bunch of key individuals that will join my company. Uh, one is a very experienced healthcare executive who will kind of take over my healthcare sales. And another is a woman who uh, is very experienced in uh, working government contracts. She's a clinical psychologist and she will kind of t- come on and work uh, on government sales, plus also serve as my chief science officer.
0: That's exciting. Sounds like you guys are doing some good stuff. Uh, So how do we get involved to help? You know, you you mentioned uh, some donations. Where do we go to donate? Uh, How can we help support you do what you're doing?
1: Well, um, yeah, so we're not, uh, we're doing a normal fundraise. uh, uh, So we're, you know, we're raising funds uh, through a funded round. So if anyone's interested in participating, in a normal uh, funded round, please just reach out to me. Uh, my information's on our website Um if, if anyone has any ideas on how we can get our tools into as many hands as possible. So if you are affiliated with an you know, or no organization that could use our tools, please reach out and let me know I'd happy to discuss a potential uh, licensing arrangement or a pilot. Um, and then Uh, Not not focused on our company, but there are plenty of organizations in the United States addressing suicide. So uh, there's, you know, uh, a number of groups that you could volunteer to work with or Mm. or get employed with if you really want to help try to make a difference. And then, um, again, just be aware of, you know, in your life. Uh, those factors that I discussed in the warning signs and just be alert and and be, be a person who's willing to step forward and provide, you know, provide support and care to your friends and family to help uh, prevent someone from doing something horrible.
0: Absolutely. And in summary, is there anything you'd like to touch on uh, about your organization or maybe resources out there that, I mean, you don't have to have the link. I'll add the link to the show notes. Uh, just Anything in closing?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I mentioned, as I said, there's plenty of organizations out there. Um, I'm looking for my list right now, just so I don't miss uh, the groups. Um, uh, The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, crisis text line. So if you have someone who may be uh, suicidal, there's a crisis text line you can contact. I'm sure. There's a number of organizations that work with universities and colleges, the Jed Foundation, the Trevor Project, and then the Suicide Prevention Resource Center on the web is a great uh, resource to go and find out, you know, numbers or how you can help. Um, So those are some of the places you can, uh, you know, if you're if you're interested in uh, supporting uh, people or supporting organizations, I would check those groups out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rick. I really appreciate the call and I love what you guys are doing out there. And once this uh, releases, I'll definitely give you a heads up so you can, I don't know, listen or share. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. I hope you found that informative and all links to any further information are provided in the show notes. So hopefully you found those helpful. I know I'm not supposed to tell stories. Sorry, Chris, but I can't talk to a Marine pilot without thinking of the time in Iraq where we had a Harrier come in. Harrier's are notoriously known for uh, breaking a canopy or and then having to jettison it. But uh, we had one land, and the pilot landed with instruments only on a blacked-out base, and we were there to safe the ordnance items on the aircraft. But when he finally came out of that cockpit, his eyes were the size of saucers. So I can only imagine the breed of person Rick Johnson is and the other pilots of the Marine Corps. But with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Hope you have a good one. Bye.